Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Five Minute Major Radio. Dave here, along with my broadcast partners in crime, Portal there this week, Matt Master Giovanni and Matt Hoagie Hoagland. Boys, how's it going? It's going well, man. Um, we we are in the thick of it already. Um, it's like it was what August again, where we're on day two of 116 days uh, with consecutive hockey, uh, whether it be regular season, playoffs, and obviously the Stanley Cup final being playoffs too. But man, we're we're back, and it feels oh so good. But uh, I'll throw it over to Hoagie now. Hoagie, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Matt, you hit it out of the park. It's it's such a great feeling to have hockey back on the TV. I was excited for when the Flyers had that inner uh, squad scrimmage, but you know, seeing the boys actually play against the Penguins last night was such a great feeling. So I'm glad the NHL is back in the in the swing of things. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, again, we'll we'll foreshadow here a little bit, but uh, ten games on the slate tonight, I believe, and. We are, again, in the midst of those 10 games with, let me just look here, we have four? Yeah, four. We have four in progress right now. A few just started, a couple uh, in the second period. But, uh, man, we uh, we got a full slate tonight, a full slate for a lot of nights coming up. But it's going to be it's gonna be fun, boys. So, uh, Dave, if you want to get us started here with the, the first of 56 regular season games for the Flyers in the books, uh, but I won't spoil anything. So, Dave, give us give us the update on, on what went down last night at the Wells Fargo Center. Well, it was a fantastic, joyous evening. Um, Matt, you tweeted it, Mastro, very elegantly and properly yesterday, saying, man, what I'd kill to be in D-Lot right now, drinking some Miller Lights and a Wawa Hoagie, because I feel you there. I feel like I, I could even see Hoagie driving down from Boston. And yeah, then yep. be like the three of us with probably like ten of our ten of our other friends just hanging out and tailgating and then going to the game and having a good old ruckus time because this would have been a great game to be at for oh, yeah. reasons of course I'm sure we all and all of our listeners know, um, but those Pittsburgh Penguins are in town, and they they poked the gritty bear and they found out what happens, and um, <laughs> the Flyers curb stomped them and it was fantastic. Now at first. It didn't seem like it was going to be said curb stopping because the Penguins <laughs> did strike first uh, with newcomer Mark Jankowski getting his first of the year. Um, then after that, the game kind of settled down. You had JVR and Nolan Patrick again. No, oh, Nolan Patrick. Yeah, him. Uh, yeah. Nolan Patrick gets his first goal of the season. He put the Flyers up 2-1 heading into the second period. Um, and then, of course, who else scores against the Flyers? Sidney Crosby. Off the play that Carter Hart probably wants to have back. Um, I saw him do it, and it was a yikes. Uh, but then all, our Joel, Joel Farabee, um, with a sneaky little wraparound towards the end of the period there, puts the Flyers back on top. They're going in, in an intermission, up again by one goal, 3-2. to two. And then the third period happens, and Brennan Tenev comes out, and Carter, he ended up making 31 saves. You knew a couple goals were going to be really good ones, and a couple were be, would have been mistake errors like the Crosby goal, but I, you can't fault him for this Tanev goal. An absolute rocket of a shot. Like, there was nothing he could really do. Um, so now it's 3-3. And now, kind of in my mind, I'm going, all right, well, either the Penguins have all the momentum, and we're going to see how the Flyers respond, or the Flyers are going to go into screw-it mode, and we're going to win this game because we can and we're better. 
and the Flyers chose to win it now. Um, then they responded with three unanswered goals by Michael Raffle, Oscar Lindblom, and Kevin Hayes, and both having Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick return to Philadelphia and both score in their return. Feel-good moment of the season early on. Um, I didn't think it was going to happen right away, of course, but it happened, and now we can build on it. And, of course, uh, Joel Farabee, current league leader in scoring with four points and tying a Flyers record for the most points in the first game of the season. So, gentlemen, the talking stick is up for grabs. Whoever wants to take it from me, go ahead and take it. But what are your thoughts on an excellent start to the 2021 season? Uh, Hoagie, I'll let you take this one first if you want. Uh, yeah, sure. It might be short. I only watched the first period. I had to skip out for a men's league game. So, uh, first period, I th- I think the boys look uh, really good. Uh, that second power play is clicking. I don't know what's going on with that that first that PP one. They're just not they're not producing like they should with all this uh, star power on that on that line. But that mm-hmm. second second power play is is clicking. Uh, Eric Gustafson. Gustafson in his uh, NHL or Flyers debut, excuse me, uh, putting up two uh, two big assists right off the bat, and uh, I think he they just got to keep working that point, just taking shots on net. Um, obviously, huge to have both uh, Oscar and Nolan on the scoreboard. I mean, they weren't pretty goals, but hey, if a puck goes in the net, it's a goal. So uh, one off the butt and one off the head. So <laughs> you got to take it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's an exciting team. Uh, I think Pierre Pierre said it last night. Flyers fans, you should be excited for this team. Um, and I think we're all right right there in that boat that we know we know it's a good team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was exciting to say the least. And um, like you guys both said, there was a lot of great things that came out just from the first game last night. Um, Charlie O'Connor kind of brought it up to a point that I definitely agree with where he was saying that there were so many times last season where the Flyers were a team that got better as games went on. And you saw that last night where um, for every team, I mean, really the first, what, maybe first period even, and even the first handful of games here in this 56-game regular season could be like the quote-unquote preseason because – a lot of these guys haven't played hockey since the bubble or even beforehand for the teams that didn't make it to their turn to play last season. So, I mean, uh, I feel like these these few games, these first few games are going to be a nice feeling out period for everyone. And I think it was uh, Spit and Chicklets who said bet the over in a lot of these games because <laughs> we saw at least six goals in every game last night with the Flyers, Penguins, and the Canadians and uh, Maple Leafs each having a, a total of nine goals in the game. Um, so bet the over. Everyone is definitely going to get the, the feeling out process um, out of their system at this point. But, again, back to the Flyers where, again, like I said, they got better as the game went on. Again, we saw scoring from all around where in a game where, let's see, Giroux had, I think, an assist, I believe. Um, but, again, like you, you obviously – learning the lesson from the the postseason you want those big guns to show up whenever they can but you don't always need them to with a team like the flyers where they're so deep now they have so much secondary scoring all that jazz coming from up and down the roster but you obviously want them to get better as the season goes on you want the team to get better as a whole as the season goes on so 
Um, but, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better start. A guy like Eric Gustafson comes in, gets two points on the power play. Um, the power play two, like you said, Hoagie and Dave, was just clicking. Power play one needs to start clicking. But, again, we're not going to hit the panic button here one game into things and go, oh, my gosh, like this team sucks, where I even kind of had a sarcastic tweet where when the Penguins scored first last night, I just tweeted a panic button question mark where we know how overreactionary uh, this fan base can be at points and how the Philadelphia sports fan base can be at many points. Oh, they were reacting. Can I stop you right there at points? I think it's just at this point, it's all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, every, every instance that goes wrong for any team in Philadelphia sports can be a powder keg that sets this whole fan base on, on a, on the war path. Um, but I mean, the flyers again, I think they're finally getting the recognition from around the league, from the analysts, from all these people that cover hockey, that they are a legit contender and they are going to be one of the many teams to beat um, to get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And hopefully they make a deeper run than they did last year. Obviously, last year was a big win because they won their first playoff series in eight years. But you just hope to build on that this season. So uh, a great start. And we're, we're right back at it tomorrow in the Wells Fargo Center again against Pittsburgh. Um, I feel like it's going to be almost like a high, it's like a hybrid MLB schedule where you're playing these teams back to back two times in a row in the same city, just because they obviously want to minimize travel within the divisions. But what do we, what do we, what do we think? What do we look out for, for tomorrow for this, just the second game of the season? Uh, if there's anything the Flyers need to build on, if there's anything they need to look out from the Penguins, uh, Dave, I'll throw it to you first here. If you, if you have any brief thoughts about the second game um, of a, not a back-to-back, but just obviously a two and three for the Flyers against the Penguins going into tomorrow's game. Yeah, I do have thoughts, but I also want to touch on the last point you made, Matt, about the respect level. Um, that's going from listening to numerous other podcast sources, like you listen to Chicklets or you listen to 31 Thoughts with Elliot Friedman mm-hmm. and um, and and uh, Jeff Merrick. And I was listening to them this afternoon and hearing the fact of all these big hockey guys, even you know Nick Kiprios and Scott McLean on, on Kipper's new podcast, when they get to the Flyers, they're all saying the Flyers are back and this is a team to pay attention to. Of course, we've been saying this for the past couple of years, being in Philly, saying they're, the time's going to come. Yeah. Well, now you've, you've got the national media's attention finally. And I definitely think Carter Hart's been a big help to that. Um, but it's nice to see the Flyers get, get some recognition. And um, you've got a lot of people who are big Flyers doubters who are now picking them to win the division. So don't let them down now, boys. Um but moving forward on to tomorrow night's game, um, my biggest thing that I want to see is some improvement in um, is the third line's play outside of the offensive zone. Now, on paper, a third line of Nolan Patrick centering, Jake Voracek on the right, and James Van Reems. Like, on the left, you go, that could be the best third line in the entire league. Yeah. You know, they're going to get their matchup against, you know, third and other fourth lines and it's not going to be that great for the other team that's going to be you know really good the Flyers are going to have a lot of good scoring chances and that's what I thought at first and I thought well what happens if this line gets held in its own zone uh-huh. and the Penguins paid attention to that a little bit yesterday and there were times where Crosby and Malkin I mean it's Crosby and Malkin let's be real here but also the one line that really got hemmed in their own zone that I that I noticed a lot was that Borachek Patrick JVR line 
And, well, they had some great chances in the offensive zone. If they can't get their crap together defensively, it's going to be a problem. And the line might need to be split up. But I don't know what you do to split it up because your fourth line of Lawton, NAK, and Raffle is probably the best fourth line in the game, if you ask me. Yeah. And then your top two lines right now are also kind of like perfection. Because <laughs> you, you've got TK, Coots, and Lindblom, and then Farabee, Hayes, and G. And I'm like, yeah. what What more do you do? Like, that's that's, that's perfect. Like, yeah. if you make any tinkerings, yeah, you can probably switch, you know, Limblom and G or, you know, Farabee and TK. But I'm like, other than that, like, those three lines are perfect. The only one who I'd make any change to is the third line. And I just don't know what you do to make you change it up. Because I've also heard some rumblings that apparently Jake Voracek is not very happy with Elaine Vigneault right now. And the same can go for Elaine Vigneault not being oh, very gosh. happy with Jake Voracek. Um, the national media was already on it today. Um, so I don't know what's going on. Um, of course, Voracek, I mean, we, we, we all saw the, 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 the new announcement of the new Flyers leadership core. Yeah. And Provorov now has the A full time on home ice, which used to be Voracek's letter. Mm-hmm. And now Voracek and Hayes are sharing that A on the road. So you're seeing not only Voracek's ice time being dropped down to the third line because other players are working harder than him. I'm just going to be honest and say it. Farabee and TK are harder working right wingers than Jake Voracek right now. And he's lost part of his letter. So you hope he, this is a wake up call to him because we're paying Jake Voracek almost 9 million bucks. He needs to be one of our top offensive players. And, you know, I love his snarkiness that he has sometimes with the media and with the fan base. I think he uses that block button a little bit too hard, and maybe he could turn up those feeling meter a little bit stronger for him. Is that just because um, you're blocked on on Twitter by him? <laughs> no, I, I mean, you want him to unblock I, you? <laughs> so you he could did block me after I suggested they trade him like four years ago because when the Flyers needed a rebuild, they were one of the pieces that I thought they could get something good in value return. Never once added the guy. Never once criticized him heavily after a game. All I said is the Flyers could trade him and get some valuable pieces back, and that earned me the, the ban hammer. And I'm like, why? The, the why, Jake? Um, but to, to be simply, Jake Voracek needs to get his shit together. And if this third line can be a good wake-up call, I mean, he started to play better defensively last year. But last, last night, his play in his own zone was a bit of a regression. And I'm going to need to see more you know, a better effort out of him or else it's going to be very, very concerning. Yeah. I think, um, like I think him and JVR are definitely the two guys that you're, you're looking for a bounce back year this year from both of them, because aside from paying them both a lot of money, they're part of this core, whether they like it or not, they should like it if they're <laughs> on a team like the flyers that has so much potential, uh, as of right now. But yeah, I mean, We've we've seen this so many times where you you pay these guys and obviously JVR being a guy where he was in his prime for the most part with us back in the the early two thousands when we drafted him and then went to Toronto for a few years came back here what three years ago now something yeah. like that yeah something like that this in, is his third that, year back within yeah. that <laughs> but again like you obviously know he's older but he's also more mature he should better know his own game um, and then. 
coming back to guys like, I guess, Giroux was probably the only guy that he played with um, when he was here the first time. But again, no, and Voracek. And yeah, and all right. But uh, like, again, bottom line, these two guys, I think, are the, the two that need to prove themselves the most this season, where you have guys like Patrick and Limblom obviously missing uh, last season entirely, except for Limblom's appearance in the postseason. But the there's obviously there's still pressure on both those guys, but the pressure is more on the guys that are the vets at this point and haven't missed seasons and have been here as mainstays before and currently. So I think Dave, you're right where they, they have to step up here. And aside from being better defensively, because I did see the same thing where I'm like, man, is this going to be like the Islanders again? When like, we're <laughs> going to see the flyers get hemmed in their own zone for minutes on like at a time here. And they're just going to get, they're either a going to take a penalty or B get scored on or both like they did do last time last night. But yeah, I mean, I think if there's anything that can be built on as of now, and that needs to be built on throughout the season, uh, one of those main storylines definitely to watch out for is the, the both sides of the play for JVR and Voracek. But uh, Hoagie, any thoughts going into tomorrow's game or are you just kind of going with the flow at this point? <laughs> I'm going with the flow, but I have I do have one uh, thing that I kind of noticed just in the first period that I watched. Um, defense was was not picking up the defense and the and the third guy in was not picking up that late guy, and they were letting them get behind the defense for a wide open pass a lot. Luckily, we have Carter Hart minding the net, and he makes incredible saves all the time. But I I feel like they got to shore that up and and grab that high guy or that late guy. And make sure that he's not sneaking behind him because that I saw it way too many times last night on on the rush by the Penguins, um, and they're at, they're absolutely going to keep exploiting that on us because it's the Penguins and they know they know how to play hockey. The Pe- the Penguins yep. are still a good team. They still have their all stars. Um, they're on the decline, but you can't you can't just say oh it's just the Penguins. It, you have to take them seriously anymore. Um, I think it's I think it'll be good for Carter Hart to get another start against them after last night's uh, game. And I think you just let him build his confidence this season because it's such a short season and he'll, he's on to learn and grow so much with this shortened season. Yeah, definitely all good points there. And the Flyers, obviously, again, one game in the books. It's, it's, a, it's a win. So we can obviously <laughs> be happy to start things. Um, definitely hoping it continues and everything just continues to trend upwards from here. Um from tomorrow's game, obviously, there's the two, the game in Pittsburgh, not in Pittsburgh, against Pittsburgh, in Philadelphia, and then the Flyers have their first back-to-back against the Buffalo Sabres on Monday and Tuesday, and then later next week, they have the Boston Bruins for their two and three game, two games in three days, um, I believe, in Boston. So from here, again, like I said, it's it's almost that hybrid MLB schedule where you're going to be in one city for two games throughout a couple days or so, but we got the first game in the books. We got a W. Uh, it's all hopefully downhill and smooth sailing from here, but with the Flyers, you never know what the hell is going to happen with this team. Um, but from ne- from there, I mean, unless you guys have anything else to add for the Flyers, we can kind of just, again, zoom out, as we like to say, Dave, and <laughs> go around the league here. Yeah, just real quick, just touching on that third line last night. They were a combined minus six. Yikes. Um, both, <laughs> every member of that line was a minus two last night. And the only two who had points were obviously were JVR and Nolan Patrick. 
Jake Voracek with zero goals, zero assists, zero points, minus two, two penalty minutes, and one shot on goal. That's not good enough from a guy making almost $9 million. Yeah. I don't care what line you're on. Do better. Yeah. I'm holding, <laughs> I, I have been a Jake Voracek defender for years now. Well, you know what, dude? It's time to put up or shut up. You've been here for years. You know how the city works. Mm-hmm. You, you, you need to put your money where your mouth – put your mouth where your money – you yeah, got, something like that. Put your, put your <laughs> skills where your money is being paid. Something yes. like that. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not paying you. Almost, we as fans are not paying your salary through taxes and gate and revenue and et cetera. <laughs> Somehow Comcast is getting our money to pay for these Flyers players' salaries. Yeah. We're not paying you $9 million bucks to be a bum. So get your crap together, Jake. I love you, but get your crap together. Because See, I, need, I don't love you. <laughs> I don't love you, but you got you got to play your game. <laughs> I mean, Matt, and that that's the sentiment, Matt. A lot of the fan base is in the boat where where you are now. I remember back in the day, you used to love Voracek. I mean, we've yeah. all been stark defenders when he, when he, times. When he first got here, I was like, all right, I'll, he can play. I like it. But now it's just uh, over the past three or four years, I'm I'm just tired of it. I, I don't. I wish he would just shoot more, and I'm. I'm glad him and Drew have finally parted ways and they're on different lines now because that that those two together are just pass 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 never shoot. So now it gives it just gives the entire lineup more opportunities to shoot the puck and get pucks in deep. <laughs> yeah, he's been so. on a steady he's been on a steady decline here. I've got his stats up now. His a career he had of course um he's been on average a 40 to 60 point player um here in philly throughout his whole whole entire career but highlighted by 2014 2015 where he had 81 points and then he had 85 points in 2017 2018 um every other year kind of that's been around 60 55 you know in that range area last year you know last year he was still he was a plus he was a plus 14 and had 56 points which i'd be fine with yeah if you, if you have a 55 point player on your third line you, everyone's fan is ecstatic yeah. Um, but last night did not bode well. But also, I, I I realize right now that I'm being very very critical after <laughs> one game with no preseason. We told so, ourselves we wouldn't do this. <laughs> precisely, I gave myself the pre the pre pod pep talk. Don't be hard. Don't be hard. Don't be hard. Yeah. And now here I am, like just sticking the knife in Jake Voracek. So but that is, that is a good immediate observation where we have talked about this before. Where these these are two guys that again have been with this team in um, in very what – what am I trying to say here? They've been with this team in general, obviously, through thick and thin, and whether they've gotten traded or been here for X amount of years, they – they, I guess do they owe us the, the pleasure of seeing them score or at least playing well, where Dave, like you said, they're making a, a crap load of money, but it's time for both of them to prove their worth. Um, and it's it's definitely way past due for that, I think, because both of them have been very streaky, I think is probably one of the best words to describe how they've played on both ends of the puck, where um, it's either, like you said, Dave, again, they get hemmed in their own zone or they're on the they're on the ice for a goal against. And then when they are in the offensive zone, it's just like a like a little like almost like a like they're just kind of dust in the wind where they they get in there they dump the puck in and half the time honestly JVR doesn't even look like he's trying on the forecheck which is like it it bothers me like obviously I'm not a professional hockey player but it looks like he doesn't like give any effort on the forecheck and 
he's just out there chewing on his mouthpiece, and then he goes back to the bench, and he's like, it's like he might as well be a ghost instead of Goss Despair because <laughs> the guy is literally like just – it's like a washing machine where he just runs, and he doesn't do anything else. So both of them definitely need to kick it in the butt and get both of themselves going on the score sheet, in the defensive zone, and all around just be better. Dave, I agree with you. I think that wasn't a nitpick, though, because that is a very good out-of-the-gate observation by you. So you. We'll, keep you. That, we'll keep that on our radar throughout the season. But again, we, we can't really panic here about <laughs> anything because we are just one game in. And again, it's, it's a journey from here. So, yeah. so I, I hate to beat the dead horse with this, but coming into the season, we were all kind of worried about this third line. We didn't yeah. know who the third line center was going to be. We didn't know who the wingers would be. It was it was all up in the air until Nolan Patrick magically <laughs> appeared in yeah. the Flyers locker room. Um, so I mean, I, I hate to beat that dead horse, but this third line, I, I think it they've got to work their kinks out, especially with Nolan Patrick coming back and having haven't been playing in what a season and a half or so. Yep. I think he gotta gotta give it time and hopefully the. I'm trying to be optimistic here. I'm trying to give them the benefit. <laughs> oh, of I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. This third line, you know, you see the potential for them because realistically, if they're playing, you know, any other normal team that doesn't have Crosby or Malkin, they're probably not getting him in their own zone that much because they're so offensively skilled that they'll be in the other team's offensive zone. And that third line did get some of their own control time in the Penguin zone where they held it in. There were times where I believe, I watched a sequence last night where the Flyers literally made three line changes where it was just one group in, one group in, one group in, and they kept it in there for a good chunk of time. So, boys, I'm just going to go out and fly out and say it. There's potential for, for a President's Trophy with this team this year. Oh my God. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, but I... I I'm watching, <laughs> I'll do it here too, but yeah, watching but what, else, what I saw and what I'm seeing the rest of this division... I and even from talking to Jim Jackson recently, this he even thinks this could be a very special year for the Philadelphia Flyers. So they've oh, got right. high expectations. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. National media attention comes high expectations. So they're here. And now we're gonna see what the score is made of and what these young stars really are made of. So Yeah, absolutely. Off to a good start, but we gotta keep it going. I, I was so, gonna uh, say, I guess you could you could definitely call one winning their first game a good start, but it's just it's building on it from here. Um but yeah, I mean they're they're off and running. They're off and running at this point, and we we know what we have as a team. It's it's very exciting. Um, I'm saying I'm so much, but anyway, it's it's <laughs> it's just very exciting, and you just have to see where it goes from here. But Dave, do we want to take an ad break before we go to around the league? Yes, we should take our lovely sponsored ad break for Anchor at this moment, and then we can regroup for around the league once we return. So with that, <laughs> we will be right back here at 5-Minute Major Radio. And we are back. Hope you all loved my lovely voice reading that ad. I know it's just what you love to hear. Um, but, uh, Mastro, why don't you go ahead and take us on that around-the-league train? Sounds good, boys. All right, buckle up here because we got a lot of action to cover in a, in a reasonable amount of time for our listeners out there. But with uh, last night's opening night, we had five games on the slate as opposed to tonight's 11-game monster schedule. But aside aside from the Flyers beating the Penguins 6-3, we had the Montreal Canadiens being beaten by the Maple Leafs 
in that first game in the North Division, 5-4 to four in overtime. We had the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning not raise their banner, but unveil it, which was a little bit of a weird circumstance where their PA announcer, I believe, said, we want our fans to be here when we raise the banner, but we're going to show everyone the banner anyway. So I guess that was cool. But <laughs> anyway, they didn't probably didn't care because they absolutely destroyed the Chicago Blackhawks 5-1. to one. The Blackhawks look like a train wreck out of the gate, I'll tell you that. But then we had another game in the North Division, the Vancouver Canucks taking down the Edmonton Oilers 5-3. to three. And finally, the St. Louis Blues taking out the Colorado Avalanche 4-1. to one. So some good games on the slate last night. Uh, we'll just go around the horn here again, as we usually do, Dave or Hoagie. Any thoughts on any of last night's game um, surrounding any of that stuff? If not, we can move on to tonight. Kind of shocked by the Blues beating the Avalanche, that's all. Um, <laughs> I knew the Lightning would destroy the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks are going to be probably as bad as the Detroit Red Wings this season. And I wonder how much longer Patrick Kane's going to want to stay there. You know, he's still in his prime and he's still a legit legitimate elite star in this league i don't see him staying around for a rebuild he's won his three cups he might want to go somewhere else to try and win some more um i watched the montreal toronto game montreal was the better team and should have won that game last night but toronto's firepower is what made them win um simmer getting in a good old scrap in his first game in the blue and white there which was nice to see um Weird seeing Simmer in a 24. Yes. Very yeah, weird like seeing him in an... Part of me still hopes he's only signed... If he still plays next year, and if he wants to take like a million and a half, two million bucks, I, I'd bring him back in orange and black. Um, yeah, yeah, fine. Fourth line power play, good good by me. Um, and I wonder with... I then spent the rest of my evening before I passed out, flipping back and forth between the Vancouver-Edmonton game, and the St. Louis-Colorado game. And Edmonton still has a lot of question marks. I know it's only one game in, uh, but McDavid looked pissed last night. Um, He was playing physical, battling hard. He is probably sick of losing more than anyone else in the Edmonton Oilers organization last night. And um, Edmonton needs to figure out their goaltending. I don't think Miko Koskinen or Mike Smith is a legit option right now, and that's what they have. That's where Mike and, Smith is. I was wondering yes. where. I was wondering that last randomly night. <laughs> popped into my head last night, and I was thinking to myself, "Where did Mike Smith go?" And I forgot that he was on the Oilers. So yeah, he signed in another one year. There, but I was that was a no, brain. That, no, that's yeah. weird. The light, the the light bulb went off for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he's still he's still in Edmonton. Um, their defense, they Oscar Clefbaum's out, I believe, for the whole season. That's a huge loss for Edmonton. Like, Ethan Bear is good. Darnell Nurse is good. Um, they got the Evan Bouchard prospect, who should be pretty good. Um, but Adam Larson had a terrible night. Um, Sick trade. Just, I wonder how much more of Connor McDavid's going to stand in Edmonton, unless they get their crap together. And then um, I was surprised that the Colorado Avalanche lost to the Blues. The Blues just outworked the Avalanche last night. But my biggest gripe with the Colorado Avalanche is oh. not their play on the ice. It is not their play on the on the ice. It is the poorest decision ever made by a graphic designer or uniform designer ever. The Colorado Avalanche removed 
every trace of the color black from their uniform and replaced it with that Quebec Nordiques blue. Yeah, I didn't like that. It is on the on the home uniform. A plus move. It's no. No, it looks terrible. It looks god awful, especially on TV. Now their road uniform with the white pants and the white and blue gloves, it looks better because you have that uh, the white offsetting it. But on the with the home with the home uniform, it's just way too much blue. I get what they're trying to do and pay homage to the Nordiques in their 25th year of being in Denver. But you, you took one of the best uniforms in hockey, and I think you now made it one of the worst. Mm. I really, I honest to God, uh, that's that's it. a bold, that's a bold. No, I, that is a bold statement. Dude, I the red, the Red Wings made a practice jersey for their reverse retros. That's yeah. going to be the worst jersey. <laughs> that's terrible. I, I just the I worst don't. jerseys in the league are going to be the Detroit Red Wings reverse retro and the Dallas Stars reverse retro because it looks like their printers ran out of ink when they were making the jerseys. <laughs> I, I agree, but I just think. The Colorado Avalanche, they already had one of the best uniforms in hockey because you had that maroon, you had that Nordique blue, you had silver, you had black, you had white. There was colors, there was depth. And now it's just like, oh, you want blue? Well, here you go. It's in your face. I love it. I hope you like this Nordique blue because we love it. And I do. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, I. I'm going against the green here, Maybe boys. I'm a stickler for things of old, but I used to love the Avalanche jerseys. It's and like that. Ones. It's like that old man yells at Cloud meme. <laughs> you know, I will be that guy. I will be that guy because I think they. I had miss the good amazing. old days when there was the color black trim on the jerseys. You know what? I'm not the only person who thought this. Many media outlets took it out and said, "What do you think of the Avs new uniforms?" And there's a lot of people who think like me, so I am not in the minority here. I'm not I, saying you are. I'm, I'm just yanking your chain here. <laughs> I, just, I I just I want to like it, but I can't. I don't think it it uh, it does not look good to me. It does not look good to me at all whatsoever. And I think it's it was a terrible decision. Know, Whoever man. made that decision, whether it was Adidas <laughs> or someone in the Avalanche organization, needs to lose their job. I'm sorry. I'm, I can't do it. I'm out. And for that reason, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> hey, so uh, cool, cool stat that just got posted. Flyers Penguins season opener was NBCSN's most watched regular season game on record. Oh, there we go. Just tweeted by Jordan Hall. Yeah, nice. That's fantastic news. I also it didn't was? see a set. Actually, they it was nice that they had that little like World Juniors touch with uh, the the referee at the beginning of the game before they dropped the puck. Do I like that? I kind of really got like angry that. though because I was like. I've been waiting for this game for so long. Can you please just like let them start? And he was like, "Drop the puck already." He's like, "Hold on for thirty seconds while I make this little monologue to everybody because there's so many people watching this game." And I was like, "All right, I can respect it." You know, yeah, it, he did the right thing. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, That's a good, I, good stat, though. I believe I saw another stat. I think Jordan Hall might tweeted this out too, but I could be wrong. I know I saw it from someone big on NBC on Twitter. Apparently, last night was NBCSN's. Bet or like the NHL's best opening night, like ever, for ratings like, wise. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So here, quick thought here before we we have to move on here. But there's 11 games on tonight, and not one of them is on NBC Sports. Yeah, I yeah, know. I was I saw that. I was shocked by that. There was figure skating that. on. Like I, I understand. Like, why? 
I I have no idea. It's because the NHL has terrible TV contracts, and it can all it can it can all be stemmed back to that the, to the lockout, the first lockout back in what was that 2005, where they missed the whole season. Before that, hockey was on ESPN. It was a prime time sport. It was great. They took the year off, and then they returned on the freaking Outdoor Living Network (OLN), which became Versus, which is now NBCSN. <laughs> You went from being on ESPN and having national attention in the United States of America and Canada to, to being a niche sport in the U.S. and still hockey in Canada. And yeah. they are still paying for the repercussions of that lockout. Yeah, I think I think they dropped the ball there. Uh, well, right now, actually, because there's, again, there's no, there's no games. Out of 11 games, you can't even have one on NBC Sports, there's, let yeah, alone there's, having a – like you go from having a triple header – to saying, ah, we're going to take the night off. But there's That's half, a problem. half the league is playing. It's like this is the time that you want the the casual fans watching is that when you have like a captive audience almost where college football is over, there's no NFL games until Saturday, right? I think. Yes, Saturday. Uh, Saturday or Sunday, whenever. Yeah. Um, but like literally there's no other sports on tonight, I don't think. And you don't have a single game on TV for anyone to watch. Like I was watching – games on luckily xfinity is doing a free preview of center ice until the 19th fun fact so i've been watching all these games on their local broadcast networks through center ice but for nbc sports to not have any games on tonight when half the league is playing i think is a completely dumb move on their part i mean you've, you've got the you have the islanders and rangers playing right now that's a marketable game to have on national television i mean you have washington so here we'll get we'll get into the scores here. That'll take us yeah, into our yeah, next our yeah, next phase here let's around move right in <laughs> around the league. An um, unplanned but excellent segue. I'll run through the scoreboard here quick, um, giving everyone scoring updates. But we have the Washington Capitals beating the Buffalo Sabers four one in the second period. Taylor Hall with his first goal as a Saber. Uh, it was an easy power play tap in, by the way, if you didn't see it. So didn't have to work too hard for that one. It's four two, ba- Matt. By the way, uh, what you say? They, ju- they just two. scored. They literally oh. just scored. My yeah, end of second. There. Yeah, it must have been like a last second goal. Breaking goal news. There we go. Um, but and then we have the Boston Bruins taking on the New Jersey Devils. It is one nothing in that game in favor of the Bruins with the second period just about to end. We also have the New York Islanders absolutely taking it to the New York Rangers for nothing uh, with five minutes left in the second period. Fun fact here, Dave. I was texting you about this earlier. Igor Shosturkin is the first Rangers goalie not named Henrik Lundqvist to start a Rangers season opener since Kevin Weeks played for the New York Rangers. Wow. So <laughs> that's a little weird. <laughs> um, and also, um, get well soon wishes to Hank Lundqvist, who had heart surgery, successful heart surgery, just a few days ago, said it, uh, in quote, I believe, went very well. We hope he gets better soon and has a quick recovery, and we hope to see him in a Washington Capitals uniform, which is still weird to say, um, hopefully next year. But, again, you want him to be better as a human being before he can come back to hockey. Uh, moving on, though, the Carolina Hurricanes are up one nothing on the Detroit Red Wings in the second period. The Columbus Blue Jackets, who we have more news on coming soon, uh, are up one nothing against the Nashville Predators in the first period. The Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets are at two to one in favor of Calgary in the first period. Three and to then one. We have it's three to one. There we go again with my app not refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then we have four more games on the slate for tonight. We have the Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers once again at 9 o'clock. Also at 9 o'clock, we have the San Jose Sharks taking on the Arizona Coyotes. At 10 o'clock, we have the Anaheim Ducks against the Vegas Golden Knights. And also at 10 o'clock, we have the Minnesota Wild and the L.A. Kings. And also, uh, there was a game that was postponed, so we would have had 12 games tonight um, if it weren't for COVID. But we were supposed to have the Dallas Stars and the Florida Panthers play tonight. But obviously, due to the COVID protocols, those teams are not playing, and that game will be postponed, is postponed, and will be played at a later date. So obviously, again, a full slate of hockey tonight. Some new faces in new places, i.e. Zidane Chara on the Capitals, which was, again, weird to see. Um, Taylor Hall, again, on the Sabres. Alex Alexi Lafreniere making his debut with the New York Rangers. Not looking good for the Rangers, but, hey, that's good for the Flyers. So, uh, boys, any thoughts on any of these games tonight? You have a lot to choose from here. If not, we can uh, we can just move on to the, the handful of news items that we have to get through. I, I, I need to start going to get his shit together for my fantasy league. I have him as one of my goalies on one of my teams. This is not a good look. Not a good look at all. Not a good start to the year for the little for my for my comrade. Um, only reason why I picked Sturkin was because literally before I was able to draft him, I had Carter Hart selected in my queue, and Hart got picked right before I was about to draft. So I decided to go with the second best option that I had available. Probably waited a little bit too long to draft a goalie, but alas, here I am. See that? That's so. where I disagree. You don't. You don't draft goalies too early. That was yeah, usually, they usually go like maybe like third or fourth pick, depending on where you're well, at in the in the mix there. I think you that's know, still too early. So really? Matt, it, yeah. <laughs> un, un, unlike the league, Hoagie, that we're in with 12 people that took two hours to draft, my other league that I'm in with friend of the pod, Stavi, and Pauly, as you guys know from our dump and change days, uh-huh. which we'll resume eventually whenever COVID's gone, um, there's only, I believe, 10 of us in that draft. So even having those two us people, and also yeah. we only had, I think, 45 seconds to draft, whereas in our league, Hoagie, we had a minute and, like, was it a minute, a little over a minute, a minute and, a and there was a minute and a half to draft with 12 people? Yeah. Losing that half of, losing that half a minute and losing two people makes a draft go way, way quicker. And, yeah, go, no, and yeah, the good I goalies agree. were going early. Because I think people wanted to get their scores and their goalies taken care of, and then they filled in the rest of their lineup. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm in another. I'm, I'm in another league where it's just six of us, and it's super quick. It's oh, like half that, hour, forty five minutes long, and like you, your teams are pretty much stacked, but it's still an enjoyable yeah. season. <laughs> but it's always good though. Like um, Dave, you were saying, you have money on the line in both of them. I have money on the line in my league. Hoagie, I'm sure you do too. In some. Retrospect? Somewhere. No? Somewhere I, somewhere I have somebody playing. I... <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, moving on there, again, If if there's any, are there any final thoughts about any of the games going on right now? Uh, no, things are kind of panning out the way I thought they would pan out. Everything is um, going according to plan. I think Carolina is going to bury a bunch of more goals on Detroit, but Detroit now, does now have Thomas Grice. So we'll see if Thomas's Grace's years in the Islanders were just him being on the Islanders and having Mitch Korn as, goal, as his goalie coach. Or the, the bad Islanders, too. Or or if he's actually, like, good again. A good goalie. Yeah, so... Um, to be honest, they should have put that Flames-Jets game on NBCSM. 
Yeah, see, that's another. Yeah, that they could have done, done a, a double header. A double header. You could have yeah. had Islanders, Rangers, and then Flames, Jets. There you go. Or even Vancouver, Edmonton. Get Connor yeah. McDavid on national. Get well, Connor they, McDavid, who's Vancouver, arguably the best Edmonton's player. Vancouver, Edmonton's on ESPN Plus. But that's not even a TV channel. <laughs> that's a streaming service. Uh, still, it's. But people have that streaming service more often than not now. Yeah, that's it, true, it, it'll still I be on an like, HL TV. I so. think again, there there's a missed opportunities here where, like you said, the this there's 116 game, 116 days of hockey here, and with such a with a shortened season, first of all, you should be chomping at the bit to broadcast as many games as you can because hell, we've seen games on USA Network. You could put one on USA Network and I would watch it, but yeah. now it's like I have to again. I'm lucky that I have this free center ice preview, but if I didn't have center ice. I'd be able to like I would be watching a blowout right now with the Rangers and the Islanders, which isn't even fun because a I hate the Islanders and b like it's they a boring game, like a four nothing, <laughs> like a four nothing game is like all right, like this is just going to be on in the background and I'm going to do something else while this is on TV. But you have, like I said, you have half the league playing tonight, and there's not one game that you can throw on NBC Sports or even. I mean, granted, NHL Network is doing the Islanders-Rangers game, but that's also, I'm pretty sure, one of those premium cable channels, so not everyone yeah, has Not everyone's going to have that. Yeah. So, again, I, again, it's a, it's a completely missed opportunity at this point where there's so much talent around the NHL that can be marketed to casual fans to get them to turn into diehard fans, but I don't know what the hell they're thinking, not even having any games on these networks with, again, half the league playing feel like a broken record here but they're making a complete they're making a mistake here a big time mistake after having a record night of ratings and then you go radio silent when there's two times as many games on as there were last night it's crazy yeah it is a problem the nhl has had for a long time now anyway who knows if they're able to fix it keep the train rolling yeah, moving the, the on. Horse has um, been beaten. <laughs> to, to get Stop things it, wrapped up for already. tonight, we actually do have a handful of newsworthy items to get to quick. Um, I'll read these off, and then if either of you want to hop in, feel free to. If not, we'll move on, and as you said, Dave, keep the train rolling. Uh, we did have a pair of captains named yesterday, both yesterday. Dylan Larkin was named the captain of the Detroit Red Wings, and rightfully so, because I feel like he's definitely their best player, but... Larkin was quoted saying, I think I understand the significance of this role. I've seen it my whole life, been a fan, been around fans, been to games, to know what it means to not only be a Detroit Red Wing, but to now be a captain. I couldn't be more honored. I couldn't have ever dreamt it to be like this, but I just try to be myself every day and have a great support system. Larkin is Detroit's 37th captain and first since Henrik Zetterberg retired retired on September 14, 2018. He's the fourth captain of the team in the past 34 years, which seems crazy. But he's also in the company of players like Steve Eiserman, Nick Lidstrom, again, Hendrik Zetterberg, also Marcel Dion, um, who else? Alex Delvecchio, never heard of him. Gordy Howe, have heard of him. Red Kelly, <laughs> Ed Lindsay, Sid Abel, Ed Go- Ebby Goodfellow, there's a name for you. Sid Howe, Herbie Lewis, George Hay, and Reg Noble. So Larkin being a captain of the Red Wings, definitely in some good company with some guys throughout history. Anyone have any thoughts on Larkin being named the captain of the Wings? 
probably could have been captain last year, but good for him. Yep. It's it, it was well, well deserved, well deserved, and the easy choice to make. Yep. Well said. And then from Detroit, we move out into the desert to Sin City. The Las Vegas Golden Knights named Mark Stone their first captain in team history. Uh, obviously, because they've only been a team for four years now. 2017, they came into the league, right? I believe. This is their fourth season, I believe. Don't quote yes. me on that. <laughs> I could be wrong here. I don't know everything, and I'm there's a lot going on. But anyway, um, he'd been an alternate captain since he was acquired in a trade from the Ottawa Senators back in 2019. Stone was quoted saying, Honestly, I was just kind of speechless. For this organization in three years to be where it's at, it's very humbling for me. A big honor. Something that I'm not going to take lightly and something that I'm really excited to do. And here's my answer right here. The Golden Knights, who entered the NHL as an expansion team for the 2017-18 season, did not have a captain for their first three years. So this being their fourth year, he is their first captain in NHL history. Congratulations, Mark Stone, for the C. Anyone have any thoughts? Uh, I was just surprised that they finally named a captain. I thought they had one, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking um, if Eric – if if England didn't retire, he was almost their unofficial captain, I feel like, being such a mm-hmm. veteran presence and not being a Vegas native and seeing what he did after that shooting. Um, just a guy who seemed to step up and could have definitely had the C, but I guess they were just waiting for a better time to give someone a captaincy. But to each their own, I guess. They've got They've got a team. Full. Of, they've got two other captains on that squad. They've got Max Pacioretty, and they've got now Alex Petrangelo. I thought Petrangelo was going to get it. I thought they were going to pull kind of what the Boston Bruins did, where when 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 Vachara signed with Boston, they literally introduced him with the C on his jersey. Like they brought oh, him. Like, been a you, move. you are the captain now. I thought that's what they were going to do with Alex, uh, but I guess not. He'll no, he'll probably have an A. I mean, right? But I mean, they're they're a team who. Um, I'm not as big as, as as to get kind of off on a little tangent, but not a mm-hmm. tangent. I'll keep it quick and brief. <laughs> I'm not as high as on the Vegas Gold Knights as a lot of other people are. I don't like their center depth. Uh, Carl uh, Carlson is at best a second-line center in this league. Um, their wingers are really good. Their defense is okay, and they got to figure out who their starting goalie is, whether it's Leonard or Flurry. Both are good options. Um but I look at their lack of center depth and their lack of prospects, and they better hope they catch lightning in a bottle either this year or next year, or else in a couple of years, they're already in salary cap hell, and they have no prospects. They are going to be really bad really, really soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, moving on from there, we have just two more orders of business tonight with two players who... One who will most likely be moved, and another one who hopes, I guess for lack of better terms, hopes he may be moved or will be moved if he waives his no-move clause. Dave, I'll let you take the reins on this one first because you probably know more about it than me. Also, Hoagie, feel free to hop in. But the Keith Yandel situation in Florida, it seems like Yandel has fallen out of favor with the coaching staff, I believe, in Mm -hmm. Joel Quenville, and he's... I guess he's on the chopping block, so to speak, where he does have a no-move clause, so he would have to waive that. But 
for training camp and also for the team's inner squad scrimmage type of thing that they did. He was on the team's B squad, so to speak, where he wasn't even with most of the top guys. Um, but again, Yandel potentially on the move. There's been a lot of talk as either the Flyers or the Bruins for him to go to. The Flyers, understandably, with his connections to Kevin Hayes. NAV. And, yep, yeah, NAV. So that would definitely be a good landing spot. But, again, with the, the salary cap being rigid and the, the numbers behind it, plus with the Flyers' de- defense situation as is, with Gustafson kind of filling that Niskanen role a bit, bringing in another veteran like Yandel, it could be a good move for the locker room because, again, you have A.V. and Hayes with the, the ties with Yandel from uh, different eras in their careers, but not a guy necessarily who is at the top of his game anymore. But it also you feel bad for him because I believe he has the longest streak, the longest Ironman streak in the league as not missing any games for... I'm going to get this completely wrong because I haven't seen the number, but I want to say it's 600 games, something like that. I think like it's that. longer than that, my dude. Hold but in, in all retrospects, it is the longest current Ironman streak, and it's kind of like a stay of execution at some po- at this point. How off was I with the 600 games? About 200. Uh, 866 consecutive games played. I was in the parking lot of the ballpark. but um again that's an evolving situation we'll see where that goes a lot of this has been rumble rumblings on twitter and on social media and with the beats but it is something that could very well come to fruition if there is a trade that can be put in place do you move shane goss to florida i mean you're sending him home they're similar players both Ghost and eight and and Keith, uh, Yans doesn't seem like he's lost his game, like Ghost has. But also, Yans has been healthy, obviously, as you can tell by 166 consecutive games played. Yeah. Um. To me, it's really puzzling. I kind of want to know why he's fallen out with favor with the Panthers because based off what I've seen from him the past couple of seasons, he's been one of their best defensemen, mm-hmm. and they don't really have anyone else there except for. For Aaron Ekblad, who I'd go, okay. Like, they have the remnants of Anton Strawman, who's not what he was when he was a member of the Rangers or the, hollow like, shell of a man. Yeah, so I look at the rest of their defense, and I'm like, are you looking at Mackenzie Weger to be something? Because he's, he's not, and you got rid of Mike Matheson. The Pittsburgh Penguins, thank you for that, by the way, because Matheson's awful. Um, <laughs> and we saw Cody Cece in midseason form last night, uh, too. You just love to see the Pittsburgh Penguins acquiring bad defensemen. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, but I wonder what the issue is with Keith Yandel, because he was consistently been very, very, very good. Um, he does make north of six million bucks, though. So for if his top two landing spots are us or Boston, Neither team has the cap to do so. Yeah, absolutely um, not. I mean, it, even if you only trade, if you do ghost for for Yandel, you still need to cover like two million bucks there of Keith Yandel's contract. So I can't see the Panthers holding on to that much. Um, and I don't know what else the Flyers would give. Yeah. So would it be cool to have Yandel on this team? 
hell yeah. But then adding him kind of makes you go, all right, well, then what do you do with the power play? Because do you knock Provorov off the power play? Or do you knock Eric Gustafson off the power play? As of right now, both (laughs) You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I would I would love Yandel on this team because I think it would it would only be a boost, um, and you're reuniting Hayes with Keith Yandel. They're like essentially brothers, so it would be awesome. But I don't just don't know if it's realistic. I agree, Hoagie. Yeah. What are you thinking? I uh, I I don't even know where it all came from, but uh, I would have taken Keith Yandel three or four seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't take him now. I think I'm confident in our defensive core. I think we have we have our core to get us through this season. Who knows what happens with Gustafson after this season or Braun after this season. But I think we have these young guys. We have to keep developing them and keeping their confidence up, especially Pro Rob, who had such a tremendous season last year. And he he's only back on that high horse this, this season. And I... He, I I feel like you're just ta- you bring Yandel in and you you take away that potential for these younger defensemen again. Um, so I'm I'm tired I'm tired of just bringing in a veteran just to bring in a veteran at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I think you just you just leave it al- leave it alone. Just don't even sniff at it <laughs> unless something gets bad. You know le- 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 you know let it be. Um, yeah. And you touched on younger players too, like Igor Zamula is like knocking on the door. He's like he's got like the, he's like cre- he's like creaking the door open. Like he's got he's got the blade of a stick like right in the door, but like <laughs> they, they slammed the door and it broke. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. and, AV, and AV said that he he impressed during camp. Zamula did, and I, I think in the next year or two we'll we'll definitely see him on the squad. But you could even see him this year. Yeah, it's possible. But I, he's he's got a lot of developing to do. He's he's not ready to take his game up. That's, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All good points by you guys. And we just have to see what happens with that. Again, it's an evolving situation. And another evolving situation that we can end with for tonight, a juicy one that has come to light uh, earlier yesterday. Sorry. Um, But Pierre-Luc Dubois could soon be out of Columbus and has made made it known that he wants to leave the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, as was released by head coach John Tortorella yesterday. Tortorella was quoted on Rothman and Ice on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus, a radio show, saying, yeah, he wants out. He spoke to the team as we do here. It's a little bit different than Panarin and Bobrovsky were. This is a 22-year-old kid. It doesn't happen that often, so he has been honest with the group. I wish he was a little bit more honest as far as reasons why. I still haven't really gotten to that, but I think he needs to speak on that. I won't. Torts being Torts obviously can be a savage and probably could have roasted Dubois because it seems like their their friction, the friction between coach and player is at a breaking point. Uh, well, it definitely is at a breaking point because Dubois wants out, but a guy who, again, you you kind of saw his name come up with the Flyers as a guy who could have gotten, as a guy who we could have gotten, but also, again... You create even more of a logjam, and you throw off that balance that the Flyers do have with their forwards. But Dubois, a guy who can definitely give any team a boost offensively, as he is one of Columbus's, if not Columbus's, best forward. And 
he's just looking for a change of scenery at this point because he seems fed up with Tortorella, I'm assuming. But that's another evolving situation. But that'll definitely come to fruition, I think, quicker than anything with Yandel will. So, Dave, I'll go to you first here. What do you think about Dubois? This is an interesting situation. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is Columbus's franchise center. He is their number one center. He is their best player on their roster. He is better than Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones. I will say it. Um, and what's interesting is, is this story actually broke about two weeks ago by Elliot Friedman, I believe, when he signed a two-year extension with the Blue Jackets that Yarmo Kikalainen got done with him. And then it broke. They're like, oh, well, they signed him, but he's also asked for a trade. Like, he doesn't want to be in Columbus anymore. And then things kind of died down. He didn't hear anything about it. And then torts being torts screws something up. I bet you anything, Yarmo Kikalainen and the Columbus Blue Jackets ownership and management group is furious at their head coach. We also got to wonder, why do these star players... Like, why can't Columbus seem to hold on to any star players? You know, they lost Rick Nash because that was due to bad contract negotiations and it was a different GM, so that happened. But now he's back and he's working with the team again. You lost Bobrovsky, you lost Panarin, you had other young stars that you drafted that didn't pan out that ended up leaving and going somewhere else or were better over in Europe, like Nikolai Zherdev. You know, what is it with Columbus where you can't hold on to any star talent and build a team that is that is competitive for years. Pierre-Luc Dubois has come out and said he's concerned about the team's, you know, the willingness to want to win and be a champion every year. And it's very interesting to me because at this point, I feel as though if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, you have to pick, okay, are we going to side with the head coach? who's won Stanley Cups, who's a proven probably Hockey Hall of Fame coach, but he's a little bit rough around the edges? Or do we want to keep our star player, who is the key to our to our franchise's, franchise's future for maybe the next 10 to 15 years? If I'm the Blue Jackets, I'm picking Pierre-Luc Dubois every single time. Torts has done this everywhere he's gone. He's come to us a franchise gotten immediate results, whether by winning a championship like he did in Tampa Bay or taking a team far to numerous conference finals or even the Stanley Cup final and then falling short. He has brought immediate success, but he's not a coach that can last. He does not have a long shelf life. Eventually, this happens every time he goes somewhere. <laughs> you find a new head coach. Yeah. I think you really do. If you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, you do everything in your power to mend this relationship with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Because with Dubois, with Rowenski, with Seth Jones, you've got something to build around there. That is a franchise core. You take out you take out Wierenski, there's your best center. And what do you do? You're stuck. You need center depth in this league. They don't really have anyone else. Um, so if I'm the Blue Jackets, I'm firing John Tortorella yesterday. And I'm doing everything I can to mend the relationship with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Well said, well said. Hoagie, what are your thoughts on Pierre-Luc Dubois wanting out? Uh, I, To be honest, I haven't really paid too much attention to it. Once I start seeing rumblings, I just it's just like uh, uh, another, another another rumble in the, in the waves. You're, you're a results um, guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as it hits, I, that, that's when I get into it. Um, I feel like if they, if they do lose... Dubois, um, they're 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 gonna hurt. They're all be in a 
another rebuild. I mean, they have Atkinson, they have Domi. Um, yeah, Felino, who's been there forever. Um, I'm just looking at the roster right off the top of that. Um, yeah, Seth Jones and Savard on the and Wierenski on the back uh, on the blue line, and Michael Delzato. That like <laughs> they're an okay team. They're, they're kind of like the Flyers of of Haxtell era at this point. Um, so I mean, you also have the the good, good tandem of Corpus Alamers Leakins, but yeah. I feel like you gotta you gotta keep them and keep building around them for anything to to help. Mm-hmm. Help build help build a franchise like the way just Dave just said it. You're you're descri- describing Dubois as the Drew of ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Like you had him on the third line, and Drew has been with this team for forever. And look what look what we've done to help build him and build a team around him. And I, th- I you just had to hold on to him. I wouldn't let him go. So I, I don't know if you get rid of Torts, but I, th- I feel like Torts is a, a great coach to help propel this team even more. But I guess we'll find out once uh, as the season goes on. I think they're – what, are they still losing or are they winning? I, think, I forget. No, they're actually – they're up one nothing, and the second period just started. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, see how the – I mean, they're in a completely different division this year. They're playing teams that they rarely have played, so – Yeah, they're in the central division. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're the – Division they used to be in. Yep. Yeah, yep. It, they're, they're going to be in for a shot. They have some pretty good uh, pretty good teams in that division, so – yeah, it's it'll it'll definitely be an evolving situation, as will the the Yandel situation. But the Blue Jackets are definitely stuck in that purgatory where, like you said, Dave, they have all these guys that come in, they get that firepower, and then a couple seasons later, these guys won out and they go to different teams. But the way they've been coached with Tortorella the past few seasons too, they've always been a team that's kind of surprised. Where we saw them take down the Lightning two seasons ago now in that first round with the sweep after the lightning were a complete juggernaut in the regular season. We saw them take the lightning to six games again in last season's playoffs. And Dave, again, good call by you where we, you were thinking that whoever had won that first five overtime game, that would springboard them to win that series. And obviously the lightning did win that series. They go on to win the cup, but yeah, I almost said Tampa. Columbus feel like they just can't catch a break with these these guys sticking around. And with top talents like Jones and Wierenski, they're a team that should succeed, but they just can't seem to get that formula right with these players wanting to stick around. And Tortorella maybe creating a rift between himself and the players to some degree with how he coaches, how he conducts himself. But all that remains to be seen. Again, some closing remarks here. Gentlemen, we are in the thick of it now. We are out of the gates into the the horse race of the regular season for the NHL. I think it's just time to kind of sit back and hopefully relax with the Flyers 1-0 so far, playing the Penguins again tomorrow night, and then going to Buffalo for a couple games. And on and on we go until next thing you know, we'll be hopefully again, knock on wood, talking about playoffs but i digress for the time being with us just being one game into things hoagie i'll throw it over to you to give closing remarks if you want and then dave you wrap this baby up and end the night for us sure uh i i I just want to touch on one more thing that i'm surprised you didn't have on your uh, around the league uh Uh, with 
with the retiring of Corey Crawford. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I uh, when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> the Devils are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just surprised you didn't put that on there. Not, not to. No, that's fine. That's actually like that. I forgot about that um, until yeah. now. But if you didn't know out there, for all our listeners, Corey Crawford did retire suddenly after he first announced that he wasn't playing due to a personal reason, and about I think it wasn't even a day afterwards. It was like two days he, later. Yeah. Yeah. He was just straight up retiring. <laughs> he tra- He went to New York, New Jersey for like two days of training camp and said, <laughs> yeah. I'm out. Get yeah, yeah, that's out of the, here. That's been the running joke where he was like, I don't want to play for the Devils. So, <laughs> but, um, and, but yeah, good call, Hoagie. I'm sorry I missed that for everyone listening out there. But Crawford winning those two cups in Chicago, definitely going to be a Blackhawks legend. But they were also debating, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. We can just give quick thoughts again since we're kind of running running a little long here. But will he be a Hall of Famer is a thing to ask. No. Chicago, yes. Not Chicago. NHL. I, yeah, I, I think he'll be one of those kind of like ring of honor guys or a guy that does have a banner with almost like the Flyers do with the Flyers Hall of Fame, the Blackhawks Hall of Fame, where they have him yep. up there, give him a nice ceremony. I'm not sure if he's a Hall of Fame guy, though. Definitely a great goalie. Definitely going to be a, a Blackhawk in everyone's mind forever. He obviously didn't even play a game with the Devils. so. But we best, wish you the best of luck in retirement, Corey Crawford. And, um, hey, the Devils are almost a dumpster fire again. So <laughs> I mean, they're, they're check another one up for the Flyers there. Their, their goaltenders are Mackenzie Blackwood and Scott Wedgwood. I think we're all right, and we're going to score a lot of goals against them. They go. have a they have a lot of wood in uh in, in gold. <laughs> They're not the good kind. It's very brittle. Might oh, as well geez. put might as well put a thing of plywood up there <laughs> with the holes cut out. <laughs> the shooter tutor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, anyway, good catch, Hoagie, and uh, thank you for coming on once again. It's definitely always good to have you here to talk absolutely. to get a little bit of a more round table going here. Um, Pot Street Bullies, we'll give them a shout-out, too. Definitely uh, another quality Flyers podcast to listen to. You guys also have your new website, right? Yes, we do. Uh, check us out at uh, potstreetbullies.com. Uh, I'm a contributor and writer for them. Um, just check us out. Hit up the website. We're posting articles daily, game recaps, and uh, and uh, we're also doing a lot of um, prospect reviews as well. So appreciate the shout out guys i uh, appreciate being on i love talking flyers hockey with you guys especially being five hours away <laughs> so i don't get i don't get much flyers talk up here anymore yeah there you go we're getting we're giving you your your daily dose uh absolutely even though it's not daily but we're giving you your, your <laughs> dose to keep you to hold you over until the next time but yeah we yeah. appreciate you coming on and we'll definitely uh we'll get the pot street bullies out there for everyone to to get some some more uh followers viewers all that jazz for you guys and Obviously, hope to create some more synergy synergy between us and you guys. But you're obviously welcome on anytime you want. Uh, I'll I'll be quiet for now. But Dave, if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna wrap us up for tonight, it's all you. Yeah. Thanks again, Hoagie, to coming on. Like our unofficial third member of the podcast, essentially here. Um, but yeah, just everyone. Um, I think this is a year to be really excited about this Philadelphia Flyers team. 
I, I might be a little too overboard with my earlier prediction I made in the podcast, but you, you never know what could happen. Um, yeah, big game again tomorrow night against the Pittsburgh Penguins, 7 o'clock on NBCSN. We'll get to hear Jim Jackson's lovely voice, along with uh, Taryn Hatcher and Scott Hartnell doing pre- and post-game intermissions, which is exciting. Um, yeah, everyone buckle up. We're ready in for a long, fun year. And uh, we will be back next week with another podcast. And uh, let's go Flyers.